think we are in here for another episode of Cats Talk. We almost kind of, sort of, pretty much close enough to starting on time, TB. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, we're getting all the bugs worked out, so we, we're doing some good work now, man. <laughs> Absolutely, man. This is not live. It's the only difference. No callers, but we are here doing our thing from 6 to 8. How's everything for you in the video today? Uh, well, <laughs> for, for, for those that are paying attention to the world around us, uh, my, my town, we are not great uh, with the Breonna Taylor case. It is, you know, whatever your persuasion, send us some, some good vibes because it is, it is not great. I've been kind of monitoring via social media and folks are upset and, and protesting. So my my hope and my fervent prayer is that everybody gets to go home safe and sound tonight. But uh, we will see. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So that definitely was the headline of the day. Uh, we would have definitely been jumping into Kentucky Auburn, which we're definitely going to do, but definitely had to get your perspective since you live right there and a hop and a dump from downtown. Yeah, and you know, people have been asking, uh, and I appreciate it, people have been reaching out. We are pretty far from downtown, so uh, a lot of the confusion uh, did not make it out, or has not made it out this far just yet. But uh, I was out earlier. I did a grocery run and businesses are closing because we have a curfew at 9 p.m. A lot of businesses are closing at 8 to give folks uh, time to close up and get home. Uh, The best way I can explain it, things are just tense. You know, it's 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 very in a different kind of mindset. But uh, you remember when we were at UK, those final four days, know you would wake up you know final four saturday championship game monday and you could just feel there's something different in the air right it's just there's something and so that's probably the best way i can can explain it is it's just different uh the the air is it's just tense here so again i hope everybody is able just to get home safe and sound that is my prayer. Uh, Mama B and I are closer to the county line uh, of Bullet County, so we're on the south side, pretty pretty far uh, from everything. For those familiar with uh, Louisville, uh, we are really close to the Gene Snyder Expressway, which is way out in the county. So uh, we are we are far out, not close, but definitely monitoring uh, everything. Talk about the tenseness that you know, especially 96, 98, but that 2012 Saturday when it was playing Louisville in the Final Four, that may have been the most tense Final Four Saturday of all. I, I kept saying to myself, I said it to everybody, I said, I would rather lose in the title game by 50. Let's just get there and beat Louisville today. 
Oh, and, and take that beating on Monday if that's what it's got to be. <laughs> uh, de- definitely, and, and and I've said that to to, to Louisville fans and, and friends, and uh, I don't like playing Louisville in the tournament. Those games are not fun. At the end of those games, it's just a sigh of relief. You you can't you can't enjoy it. You know they're talking about they don't like playing. You know the Louisville Kentucky game tournament. I don't, and my team has won the last two. So I it's. <laughs> You know, uh, I've often said back in 2012, I completely forgot Ohio State made the Final Four that year. Completely. Because when the Kentucky-Louisville game was over, you know, you just come down. I don't even know. I I know I didn't. We didn't watch the game. I was with some friends. We did not watch the second semifinal. We were just coming down off that emotional. Because you're right. From the time you woke up, your adrenaline was already at a 10, right? From basically from the time that Louisville punched their ticket, Kentucky punched their ticket, that whole week was anticipation. And then Saturday, it was like, oh man, oh man. Like just, oh no, you know, uh, cause strange things have happened in the final four. You know, it wasn't a given that that's the thing. So, uh, that's the best way I can equate what's going on in the in the city right now. Uh, it's just it's it's a very strange time, and I just hope, uh, like I said, people people need to go home to their families. So that's my that's my two cents on that. Without without going down a rabbit hole, that's just kind of where I'm coming from. That's right. That's right. Um, lightening it up and where everybody wants to be focused on more so if they could, but we definitely got to be aware of what's going on there. We, I think I can speak for us, we didn't think we'd make it to this point. Didn't, I kept thinking, uh, I'm not holding my breath on the games being played, and we, we've seen the ACC the past couple of weeks. We're still seeing some games being postponed, but we are the week of Kentucky being a team starting their first game with this 10-game schedule at Auburn, Saturday at noon, a couple days away, about to finally see this year's version of the cat. You know, yeah, I, I'm excited, uh, but cautiously excited. Uh, what we have seen so far with college football, the starts have been great. But I believe we're up to maybe 25 or 26 games that have been postponed or rescheduled due to COVID-19. So it's going to, you know, it's like putting it into derby parlors. This is we're just out of the gate. There's a long way to go before you cross that finish line. Um, and again, I'm not saying that to be a negative, Nancy. I'm saying that because. Uh, you know, I want Kentucky to play. I, I I believe they can go down to Auburn, even if you know there were still eighty thousand fans in Jordan Hare, even all that. I feel confident in what these cats uh, can't are going to be able to do on the football field. You and I talked at the end of last season before COVID nineteen rolled in, and and we were still reasonably talking about an eight-win season, a nine-win season. 
with what Kentucky returned on defense, the offensive line, a uh, healed and focused Terry Wilson. The running game is still going to be very strong. So uh, nothing I have seen has dissuaded me from thinking Kentucky is going to be a good a good team. But these are strange times, and you know it's it's it, we have to do that old-fashioned coach speak and player speak. You have to take things one game at a time. You know, we we don't know what it's going to look like once teams start crisscrossing the South. That's the that's the thing. And uh, with the college campuses being hot spots, uh, that's going to be an issue. But as far as what takes place on the field this Saturday, uh, you know, I, I've I've consumed a lot of the reports and a lot of the interviews. I, I think this Kentucky team has a lot of swag to them this year, and deservedly so. Uh, I can't remember uh, the last time a position group is, uh, from Kentucky has gotten as much praise as the offensive line has. You know, we know what they can do as far as run blocking what we did last year. So you would anticipate a step forward this year and, you know, knock wood, rubber rabbit's foot, clover. We don't have any injuries. Yeah. I I think that's one of those things that gets, uh, I think, overlooked. You know, we talk about Lynn Bowden moving to quarterback last year, but, you know, uh, Matt Barker got hurt a couple of years ago. We have lost players to all kinds of injuries and ailments. And and honestly, you know, as good as it's been the last three years, it, it probably it, it, there's a chance it could have gone better. You know, if 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 Terry Wilson is healthy last year, or, you know, and all that. So uh, I hope this is the year we're able to get through the season. The Cats are able to get to those eight or nine wins, and and really use this season again to, to build on something uh, special. I was earlier today. I was on. It was believe in everything Auburn, and it's uh, Taylor Beth Davis. She does work for SSB Network, and she went to Auburn. And former Auburn quarterback Jason Campbell was the two to do that, and. You know, getting the Kentucky's perspective, and I said the same thing to them that I said here. I mean, you know, back in 2009, I was at the game at Auburn, first time down there. I had no expectations of Kentucky leaving. Jordan Hare would win that night, uh, and of course, we saw Randall Cobb and everybody. You know, they won 21 to 14. I said, now this year. Kentucky is equipped to go down there and leave with a win. Uh, just the, the depth across the board and all the positions, we're still getting used to that. You know, the, the fans of Auburn, the people that cover Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, you know, they're used to what Kentucky is trying to get to. You know, they're used to recruit, redshirting entire recruiting class. Kentucky did that last year. And that's still, we're still wrapping our heads around all of that. Just like, you know, Auburn fans 
wrap their heads around the Final Four run they went to last year. Stuff that we're used to in basketball. We're experiencing new things like that in football. But I'm with you. I think Kentucky could have gone down there and, and won in front of a packed stadium. Um, like Jason and them said today, that Auburn's just returning their starting center on the offensive line. Everybody else is new, both the guards, both the tackles. They will have to be broken in against Kentucky's defensive line, which the offensive line gets a lot of praise, but the defensive line is deep and experienced and really talented too. So they don't have any preseason games to work the kinks out. They're going to have to go out there as a unit for the first time and, and face a really strong Kentucky offensive line. So, you know, Kentucky should be able to kind of exploit that and um, kind of take it to them as they're kind of getting their, their feet wet at the same time. Absolutely. And what we have seen uh, in all sports that have had to resume after extended breaks or the football teams that have played this is the year experience and cohesion matter you know we've uh, got two weeks of NFL games and you can see some of those new faces and new places are having some issues because with a truncated practice schedule and not getting those uh, those preseason games in know it, it it's it's put an onus on play people in new situations so if you are Auburn with a uh, with an offensive line that is brand new that is I'm not gonna say an issue but that's got to be an area of concern and and this is probably the first year in a long time as Kentucky fans Kentucky's got more answers than questions Okay, like, okay, we got a guy that can throw the ball. I, I, I think most folks uh, are on Terry Wilson, but we can run the ball uh, with A.J. Rose, Cavassier spoke, Chris Rodriguez back there, and the offensive line. You know, I guess maybe the one question is, can the, can the receivers, can they make some plays down the field? Uh, but defensively, you know, we, we're able to rotate guys in and out at all levels of the defense and not have that drop off. That's what, you know, what Van Howes was on uh, last week with us talking about and something I've said as well is Kentucky, we've had SEC quality players on the first string forever, right? You know, uh, we can go through the roster of Kentucky players and, you know, I would put Andre Woodson you know, and Tim Couch against, you know, even a Peyton Manning. Like, we've had that kind of, uh, you know, you look at the Mo Williams, the Benny Snell, you know, Raphael Little, a name that doesn't get uh, said a whole lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Antonio Hall, who we've had on uh, the show as an all-SEC performer. So we've had those guys, you know, on the first team. The difference that has been historically is that second and third guy, there's a huge drop off. And so when there's injuries, when you go through that uh, that grueling three or four week SEC schedule where it's 
you know, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, you know, whoever back to back to back in the East, or if you're in the West and you got Bama, LSU, you know, uh, Texas A&M or whoever, you, uh, you know, look at Arkansas schedule this year and how brutal it is. Um, but you need depth. You need to be able to roll people in along the lines at your linebacking core. You need to be able to have three uh, running back, uh, you know, three deep running backs. Uh, and this is finally the year you look at that roster. You look at the depth chart that came out, and, and we've got dudes. And, and you, and it's it's easier to talk yourself into, hey, we can we can get this done uh, because we've got, like I said, we've got those dudes. Yeah. Um, and you know they. We had Stevie Westmoreland on. We talk about how Terry gets slept on, gets overlooked, always way too close to the bottom of the SEC in any kind of rankings. Well, he was hurt last year, but everybody acts like they didn't see anything he did the year before. And the plays he made, they sure didn't see. They didn't, they act like he didn't even play the first year. And then they act like he didn't even make any plays at all, even though it was his first year as a starter, getting used to being an SEC from, from junior college. Uh, I think we were going to see signs that he was improved as a passer last year. We just had a game and a half or so before he got injured. But, you know, he had worked on that. He had the speed, he had the running, but just in the pocket and making accurate, quick decisions, he was showing that he was going to be able to do that. And I think he'll be able to do that again. He's a veteran now. He's put in the work to get that leg back healthy and get the strength back in his leg. And he can truly be a dual threat. I think he'll be more than the quote-unquote game manager that he was during the 10-3 and three season where, oh, you know, lean on the defense and, and, you know, just don't screw it up. Even though we saw him throw darts against Florida to win in the swamp. We saw the game-winning pass to C.J. Conrad to beat Missouri. We saw him make plays in his first quote-unquote game manager year. So uh, really looking forward to seeing what he's able to do, you know, shake the rust off and, and get hit and get the nerves out and, you know, calm down from being too amped to be back after missing the whole year and then settle in to see what, what touchdown Terry can really do. And it's, and it's not so much for me the – I would assume, yes, he's progressed and he's a better, more accurate passer and, and, and decision-making and everything. But keep in mind, that Florida game on the road was a back-and-forth affair. And, and not to get all hot-takey like you know Skip Bayless, some of those other guys, Terry did not let the moment overwhelm him. That was the thing that, that I took away from that season. We talk about him being a game manager, but he made some mistakes against Florida and came right back and made plays. That's a resiliency that that you want to see. You know, you're not going to have 300-yard passing and four touchdown performances all the time. There's going to be interceptions. There's going to be fumbles. 
and the question always is how do you bounce back from that and the 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 throw uh the the play at uh at uh, Missouri last year or two years ago and the game at Florida, those are two highlights of you know, particularly like the Missouri game the offense wasn't doing anything you know the offense was just they were stacking the line and the offense just wasn't until like the last two drives when Kentucky needed it the most so, you know I, I forget who coined the thing is, you know the best players aren't always good, but they are good when they have to be. And and give me somebody like that, who the spiral may not be as tight as some others. Uh, you know, he may take off running before he's. But it, hey, if he's making winning plays, that's a guy you know that you can win with. Absolutely. And just to go back to the offensive line, we we are very close to everything and still look and see, you know, Kentucky not getting as much credit as we maybe think they should for the progress that Stoops has consistently made since he's been here. Um, those who really kind of cover it know, those in the media know, you know, your coach Kubelik went to Auburn, played for Auburn, but, you know, this concerns easily that how Auburn could have a lot of problems with Kentucky. Those who, who really cover it know. You know, your Chris Doring has been talking Kentucky up for years on the SEC network, you know. Um, <clears throat> opposing fan bases, it's going to take them longer than it should to kind of give Kentucky their props. Um, my buddy Will West down here in Knoxville has been on the, the, the sports shows here in Knoxville for years. We had him on this show, but he was talking today about how, you know, he's, I'm not putting Kentucky down there in the cellar, you know, fighting it out with Vanderbilt for seventh like they have been. I'm, I'm not doing that. He said, I'm, I'm kind of thinking it's Kentucky and Tennessee. He said fighting for third behind Florida and Georgia. And, you know, maybe whoever wins the Kentucky-Tennessee game in Knoxville will have a leg up on finishing third and trying to do better when they play. But what he said really stood out. He said, you know, he credited what Stoops has done, recruiting the talent, the development. And he said, look, I've been to the past, before it got canceled this year, SEC Media Days, at least I've been to the past 10 or 11 SEC Media Days in a row covering them. And he says, you know, we used to get in front of those Kentucky offensive lineman that they would send down to Birmingham or, or Hoover. And he said, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, boy, this kid is gonna, he's gonna get his brains beaten in this year. He said, I feel bad for these guys. He said, now, the past two or three years, he said, we go in front of those Kentucky offensive linemen. He said, they're just as big as the Alabama guys. He said, it's a marked, noticeable difference in the size and the strength in the type of player that Kentucky has now. Because then we hear people say it more and more, they look like an SDC team. And so it was just interesting to hear him say that. Just those who really do watch and take the time to pay attention can see the improvement. Now, you know, the Tennessee fans, your, the Louisville fans don't want to admit it. You know, uh, Florida fans, you know, they're not trying to hear it. But those who really kind of take a second and look can see the difference. 
A- absolutely. And that's who you need to pay attention to. And, 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 I, and I get it because conversely, when it comes to, to men's basketball, you know, I'm very dismissive when people are like, oh, better watch out for Arkansas this year. I'm like, yeah, okay. Or, you know, you got a tough one in Georgia. I'm like, it's Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. So I get it, you know. And, uh, but, but, and, and you can't blame those, you know, the Alabamas and those top-tier teams because when you're at the top, you're not worried about who's fighting underneath you. Like, as, as a Kentucky men's basketball fan, do, do I really care that Georgia finished sixth instead of tenth last year? I, I don't. Honestly. You know, it doesn't... Okay, it just... You know, uh, or or who's playing on Wednesday and Thursday of the SEC tournament? Like, I don't, I don't concern myself with that. So I understand the Georgias and the Alabamas not wanting to yeah. pay attention mm-hmm. to Kentucky. I get that. And I don't fault them for that. You know, a, a couple years ago when I covered the SEC tournament, I get down there Friday morning and I'm on, I'm riding the shuttle from the uh, parking lot to the arena. And I asked somebody, okay, how do you check in? Blah, 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 blah. And this guy says, you must be here to cover Kentucky. You guys never get here until Friday. And I'm like, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> and it's funny. You get to the arena and you look at the people that are at the table collecting their uh, credentials. And it's myself and it's Kyle Tucker. And it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it's the Jerry Tiptons of the world. Right, I, you know. So I, again, uh, it's one of those things where, depending on who you root for, affects your point of view. Uh, you know, uh, again, looking at men's basketball, when they start talking about bubble teams, you know, when it starts getting February, who's on the bubble? Do you really pay attention to that segment on ESPN? I don't. You know, do you click on the bubble article on ESPN.com or CBS? I don't. You know, when I'm listening to a podcast or talking about, you know, this team making it, in, that's got nothing to do with me. I'm on the right. I'm on the edge I'm of not, my seat. The Jimmy Dykes, who's at the end of his plane, who's at the back of his plane. That's I live for that. <laughs> jet, jet, jet. Jimmy's jet. Jimmy's jet, baby, buddy. So you know, so I get that, and 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 we all become <laughs> snobs. Because, you know, and, and, and that's the thing I think that's more stark in football is Alabama's goals are different from everybody else. Alabama and LSU, right? You know, their whole thing is we're going to win the SEC on the way to the college football playoff, right? You know, that's never, their whole thing is they want the SEC championship, but that ain't the end-all, be-all. As a matter of fact, you know, Alabama won a national championship without playing in the SEC championship game. So, the focus is just different. You know, I was talking to my lovely fiance. See how I worked that in there? You know, and, and, and she's a Cubs fan, and we were talking about, you know, buying t-shirts. And she said, oh, you know, the Cubs clinched to make the playoffs, and she was talking to somebody that was going to get a Cubs 
playoff t-shirt and she's like well you know why would you do that i was like oh look at you you know the cubs win one world series and go to an lcs now making the playoffs is ho-hum and it's like i've gone to stores in the tournament and i see like you know a kentucky men's basketball sweet 16 shirt like who is that for like who is like who is going to get an a who is going to buy that shirt? Like, who is, you know, either the Sweet 16, that's as far as they made it, and it's a disappointment, or they go to bigger and better things. Like, who is that Sweet 16 shirt for? You know, it's all about your perspective and, and kind of where you're coming from. You know, like, your Braves and that run they had of all those division titles, you know, at some point you win the division, the celebration ain't the same like it was the first time, right? Like you, 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 you focused on something else, they and so, too, so that won the East again. So we might see those Cubs later. We just have to see. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> but so, so and basically, you know, Florida Tennessee football fans—they're not going to give Kentucky any credit. Right, you know, even you know when when Joker that Joker squad beat Tennessee with Matt Roark at quarterback, which you know, you know, I I don't need to tell you how dismissive Tennessee fans were of that game. Well, blah 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 blah, blah. and and so when it comes that that, oh that was the Tyler Bray and Tyler Bray team, and they finished. Five and seven. Oh, they they didn't even want to go to the bowl. They didn't. They wasn't wanting to go to the Liberty Bowl. They they didn't want to go. That that was the talk. That was the talk on the radio down here. Yeah, they just they weren't interested. They didn't want to go to a bowl. That's what was being said after the loss to Kentucky. I remember that vividly. And 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 that's the that's the thing. So. I, Rival fans, I you know they're going to do whatever. They're going to do whatever. I can't be concerned with with them. But the people that know, the objective people that can look and and, and see things, like I said, from uh, an objective perspective, understands that Kentucky has built a program. Kentucky is. Uh, it basically comes down to: Do you got? Do you have some dudes? And Kentucky's got dudes. Uh, it, it, it goes out to uh, you know who are you beating these players out for, right? You know, uh, and you look and, and, and Vince, uh, the big dog. We've got the state on lock. You know, the the top talent that Kentucky produces, which isn't a lot. Let's be honest. That uh, you know, uh, the 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 state doesn't produce a lot of high school talent, but the stuff, the guys that they are producing are staying in state. Right, that—that's how you shore things up. You—you you don't let guys leave. You know, uh, so you, you get that, and, and they got the pipeline from Ohio, still getting guys from other places. Uh, you have to feel again that this is this is the year that we've kind of been shooting toward. You know, again, Knockwood, Rabbit's Foot, uh, Four Leaf Clover—that everyone stays healthy. But this is going to 
we're finally, I think, going to see an offense that's going to be dynamic. I, does that does that mean Stoops is going to throw the ball 60 times a game? No. But we're going to push the ball down the field. Oh, look, y'all, we are rolling right along. Second episode on Anchor. And once you listen to it, y'all can always check us out at anchor.fm slash cats dash talk dash Wednesday. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Cats Talk Wednesday, like always. And we look, you can go to Anchor and listen. There's also a plethora of podcast platforms, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. You can listen to us on any of those platforms at your convenience. Definitely hope you enjoy this one like y'all did the last one. Want, you can also click the little support button if you want to put a little donation in for myself and TB for what we do every week on the show. Feel free to do that as well. And if you want to advertise your business or product on the show, we'll talk it up like we have before. We'll do it again. And look, I'll, I'll throw my little score prediction out as to what I think it's going to be before we're done because uh, I believe an Auburn crew asked me for it, so I'm just going to go on record. I already went on record once, so I'll go on record again with that later. But Stoops, man, you gotta, I got, we gotta talk about was his his call-in show Monday with, with Tom Leach, where he talked about how look, playing 10 games in the SEC, all the things are going to be prepared and skilled and ready and what a challenge is going to be and how much tougher the SEC is and he, he says look you know in, in this league you're you're not going to see guys <laughs> running wide open you're not just going to see a guy with the ball and all sorts of green grass around him which you know, he didn't say it, but it was clearly he had to be talking about the Louisville-Miami game, where Louisville, or Miami went, you know, first drive, second half, had a big, long 75-yard play, and then later again, they threw out to the back for another 70, 80-yard touchdown, and there was nobody in sight as he jogged his way to the end zone, so some, some, some comedy, some a little pointed shot at the cards from Coach Stoops, and he was just as matter of fact about it as you please. But there's not going to be green grass and guys running free in this league. Hilarious. Yeah, you know, uh, Louisville is still, they're still building. I I, I think they've got a, a good coach in Satterfield. Uh, and I, I've said before, I'll say it again here. Uh, with everything that Louisville went through over the last five years, they have righted the ship in a way that I didn't think they would. And I mean that from the university itself. They got a new president. Uh, president, uh, is it Nita? I, 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 I'm always bad with that. Um, 
but AD, football coach and basketball coach. They they got guys uh, in those positions that honestly should make Card Nation feel good. Now, that being said, Satterfield can be a great guy and do all those kinds of things, but you've got to see some improvement on the field. Because when you look at the ACC, there's Clemson, and then there's a steep, steep, steep drop off. And so there's that void that that Louisville can get into. Right, it's not like uh, you know in the SEC. And again, I know this year is weird, but okay. Obviously, LSU and Alabama are are, are the Titans, right? Well, Georgia, <laughs> as snake bit as that program is, are they're still good? You know, they're still bringing in recruits and everything like that. Florida is on the upswing, so there's a lot more pitfalls, I would say, in the SEC versus the ACC. You know, Florida State is a dumpster fire. <laughs> you know, Miami is not the Miami that you and I grew up with. You know, and, and, and you know, it's been 20 years since that, almost 20 years since that 2001 team. To, 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 to make you feel old, you know, where they went too deep with NFL all pros. Like, if, if you ever want to have your mind just blown, like, Google the 2000 Miami Hurricane roster. Don't look at the starters. Look at the dudes that didn't start on that team. And it's NFL All-Pros. You know, there was a Miami backfield of Frank Gore and Willis McGahee. Like, what? I, you know, that's... I. You know, off the top of my head, that's up there with Oklahoma State in 87, 88, when you got Thurman Thomas and Barry and Thurman, Sanders in the backfield. Thurman's saying, I like, got to get on out of here and get on to the league because this, this young fella about to take my job. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's just one of those things where you're like, man, all that talent. So, uh, so Louisville is primed in the ACC as far as football, they do have the opportunity to kind of be that that other program. Maybe you don't beat Clemson. You know, maybe that gap is is too wide at this point. But I think Louisville can be competitive with everybody else. I'm not completely sold on Matt Brown in North Carolina. Uh, Wake Forest is, you know, <laughs> Wake Forest, you know. Uh, NC State, the the the, the fighting Philip Rivers is, uh, Boston, you know, there there's teams that you've heard of, but most of my memories of ACC teams being good, yeah, are old. Like what Boston College, what Matty Ice, Doug Flutie, to really date myself, you know, Philip Rivers yeah, at NC Moolah. State. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, you know, Florida State. Yeah, they had that. You know, I think in retrospect, that Jameis Winston year was just a weird year because Florida State's been pretty pedestrian for a long time. That Jameis year was pretty good, and they've gone back to being bad. 
Like Jimbo Brown left Florida State because they ain't, they wouldn't they haven't been what they are. I mean he left. Their facilities and all that. Jimbo yeah. bounced on Florida State. It was unheard of. Yeah, so Yeah. Uh so Louisville can make some noise. There's, there's, uh, again, there's a lot more programs with questions, more questions than answers. Uh, even for those two wide open touchdowns uh, against Miami, Louisville was still fairly competitive. And I know we don't give out gold stars for being competitive, but uh, I think as Louisville fans, you've got to say, okay, the system, all right, it, it seems to be moving in the right direction. Obviously, you've got to get some dudes, and start, and, and, and that starts with keeping a lot of the uh, Louisville folks in Louisville, and and, and maybe getting a, you know somebody from within the state, uh, you know, a, a, as well. Because honestly, and I hate to say this, you look at what Louisville football has done the last ten years, and I mean, there's two. NFL quarterbacks. You know, Teddy Bridgewater was solid before he got hurt, and he's doing okay now. Lamar is Lamar, obviously. Uh, but but Louisville football has been a, a very decent program. I mean, you could put them top 15 over the last 10 years. I've got no problem saying that. Uh, so they can easily get back to that level. What I would like to see is for Kentucky to also be at that level because number one, I want to see Kentucky be well. But number two, I want that game to have way more meaning. Right? I want that game, the Louisville-Kentucky football game, to be what Miami-Florida State used to be. To be what Florida-Florida State is. Uh, to, to, to be one of those games. That's how you draw in the quote-unquote casual viewer. You know, somebody that says, I don't have a dog in this fight, but I'm going to watch that game. Well, you know, nobody's going to watch it if Kentucky is 7-5 and five and Louisville is 7-6. and six. Like, okay, that it's a rivalry in name only. You know, uh, when I think about, uh, they used to call it the Civil War. I don't know what they call it. You know, Oregon, Oregon State. You know, they've been playing since the 1800s. But it really hasn't mattered because the teams aren't very good. Then Oregon got good. And then Oregon State had that one run with Ken Simonton, and they were pretty good. Then you started paying attention. You know, uh, we we sell this thing on rivalries, which I think is a good thing. But the games have to mean something. The teams have to be good. You know, that's why even though Ohio State's beating Michigan like a drum, there's always a chance Michigan could win. Because Michigan can beat everybody else except Ohio State. So you tune in for that. So if Kentucky and Louisville want to elevate the uh, football rivalry on a national scale, both teams have to be good. You know, if you get an eight-win team playing against an eight- or nine-win team, that, that's got sizzle. That's got bacon uh, to it. So, uh, How much harder is it going to be? But it, you know, Louisville got this, and we're not robbering. This is just the fact. But they got their notice of allegations, and they responded, and you know, reportedly they're going to 
get hit really hard. So that you know, they could have even more obstacles in the future of trying to sustain what they've started with Satterfield and those guys and Mac too. You know, the 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 they responded with a notice of allegations. Um, and and my feeling is I have not taken a deep dive into that. But Louisville's problem was yes, they got caught the same time, you know, Kansas and other teams got implicated, LSU and all this kind of stuff in the shoe culture. Louisville's problem was stuff went down like 90 days after all the stuff from the stripper scandal hit that's the issue and whatever you think of strippers not being a big deal it was a big enough deal that the NCAA pulled the banner down now uh, and I understand you know college basketball recruiting is dirty and blah blah I get that but the way it's set up right now, you have two major boo-boos within one calendar year. Like, I, I don't know how how Louisville comes out unscathed, to be honest with you. Agree or disagree, I don't know how the NCAA just says, well, I, I don't know how that happens. So, uh, again, that's going to be interesting to kind of follow and see how that how that situation yeah. progresses. Yeah, exactly. Just like they're doing, seeing how it's gonna progress. Before we get on into the NBA again, you know we will. Switching up to the, the NFL, both our teams bounced back and got wins. Cowboys lost to the Rams, <laughs> found a way to beat the Falcons. Niners lost to the Cardinals and then bounced back and beat the Jets. Your Niners, man, the, it was everybody across the board got injured a ton Sunday. But your Niners took a lot of it. Some of them saying the field conditions in New York and MetLife Stadium were the issues. Uh, Bosa and, and a lot of the big name Niners get hurt. And your Niners have to play again on the same field when they play the Giants. They're doing just Giants back to back on the field that may be less than good. Yeah, and I think they actually flew back to San Francisco. When Harbaugh did this uh, a few years ago, I think it's seven years ago maybe anyway the Niners just stayed out on the East Coast like they played the Jets Giants somebody else maybe the Patriots I could be saying that wrong but they just stayed on the East Coast for like three weeks so, uh, and it really helped because I think they went 2-1 and 3-0 oh in those games uh, but yeah the, the MetLife turf it's kind of like the old uh the vet in Philadelphia. You remember how bad that turf was? Where, where you could see the seams and, you know, where the pitcher's mound was was like an inch, you know, they covered it up. It was like an inch higher there. Uh, and guys were always getting torn up. But I think the biggest thing is, again, 
asking these guys to to kind of go into it cold. You know, we saw it in the NBA, we saw it in Major League Baseball that injuries are going to be part of it because we you've thrown off everybody's rhythm. And one thing that professional athletes and really all athletes you uh, you get into a rhythm okay if it's march this i need to be doing you know this particular activity and you throw that out of whack and even if you try to do something with the uh, practice schedule and all that it's not the same thing and you know it, it takes time to build up to football readiness and that's what we're seeing on top of maybe the playing surface not being the best. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> and the Cowboys clearly could easily be 0-2. This is what's so weird when you're a fan of when you don't, you know, most people that live in this, a particular city are fans of everybody. You know, if you live in live in Dallas, you're going to like the Cowboys, you're going to like the Rangers and the Mavs, and the Stars who are in the Stanley Cup Finals, you know, but us, we, you know, we don't live in a particular city, fans of one team from one city, one team from another city, you know, you like the LA Lakers, the San Francisco 49ers, blah, blah, blah. Me liking the Cowboys and the Braves, I know what the Atlanta sports uh, sadness is like <laughs> as a Braves fan. One title out of all those playoff runs, but I don't have to suffer with the Hawks. Well, I did until they traded out me Wilkins. But I don't have to suffer with the Falcons. I've never heard anything about the Falcons. So, you know, the, the 28 to 3 that they'll never ever live down, and, and giving that to the Bulls to the Patriots. And then you have what happened to them Sunday against the Cowboys. Dallas is just tripping all over themselves in the first quarter. Fumble. Uh, Falcons get points off the turnover. Another fumble. Falcons get points off the turnover. So it's 20 to nothing in the blink of an eye. Dallas scores a touchdown to get us back in it. Let's get fired up. Let's go 20 to 7. Let's let's seize this momentum. And Atlanta promptly goes right back down the field and answers, and he's down 20 again. So took all the life out again. Perfect response. Falcons like we're not about to waver. <clears throat> okay, so you know, 29 to 10 at halftime. Just just a nightmare. You can you can feel the heat building around Mike McCarthy. He starts off 0-2, and you don't have Emmett Smith holding out. Everybody's already here. It's not like you got Emmett coming. He starts out 0-2 after replacing Jason Garrett. It's about to be real ugly in Dallas. They cut it from 29-10 to 29-24. Back in score again, go back up 12. Oh, okay. And you know, we get to the final part where it's 39-37. And the the onside kick, where you just kick that spinner, and the, the Falcons just froze. What do what we've never seen an onside kick like this? What do we do? We'll just let it go ten yards and let them recover. 
um, teams that scored 39 points in a game and had zero turnovers were 440 and 0 in the history of football TV. In the history of the game. And the Falcons just put a one in that loss column after letting Dallas get the kick and then kick the game winning field goal. Unbelievable. It's look, uh, Dallas has to go to Seattle. So, uh, you know, that's really that's <laughs> one and two is very, very possible. But at least you're not 0 2 going to Seattle. So thank you, Falcons. Thank you, Dan Quinn. Thank you, Atlanta Falcons special team. It's like the Falcons come up with new and exciting ways to lose. And, you know, Bomani Jones on his podcast has been talking about people need to give up on these teams that don't bring them any joy. And my thing is this. And again, I was talking to the lovely Kate, my fiance. Sports... Like, if I explained it to you without context, it is a foolish activity. It really is. You know, for the amount of joy you might get, there's a lot of not joy, right? Even if your team is good, even if your team is one of the elite in its leagues, there's still a lot of heartbreak, right? Uh, but the trade-off is if you're a fan of a team you're going to get some good for that investment you know Philadelphia Eagles fans finally got you know the Cubs finally won one you know uh, you know even uh, the uh, Colorado Rockies have made a World Series. The Tampa Bay Rays have made a World Series. So you have to ask yourself if you are rooting for a team that has never done anything except lose in spectacular, heartbreaking fashion, what are you doing? And I'm looking at the Falcons. Although they have made a Super Bowl, two of them, and lost, you know, uh, that's why, yeah, I was sad after my Niners lost the Super Bowl because, as I have said before, when they were up 21-10 and we needed a third down conversion, I was getting ready to text you and say, okay, game over. I I I was ready to talk my talk. Then the wheels fell off. But I have seen my team win a Super Bowl, right? I, there, 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 there have been the 49ers have brought me joy. You know, even as an adult, we haven't won in in 25 years, but they have brought me joy. You a fan right? when they? So you a fan when they beat trait. Denver and who else did they stomp in the 80s? Cincinnati. Was you a fan of them back then as a kid? I was a Jerry Rice fan probably when I was after I was about 10. I was about 10 and I became a Jerry Rice fan because me and my dad we were watching inside the NFL 
for folks that remember that show, which was great with uh, 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 Lynn Dawson and Nick Bartikani way back when, again, dating myself. And, and the 49ers obviously were good, but Jerry Rice just looked good. They had a whole segment on how he took care of his uniform. His towel had to be a certain way. He did specific things with his tape. I'm like, that is, that's great. You know, to be good and, and to look great. And honestly, that's when I fell in love with the with, with Jerry Rice 49ers. And then they played the Bengals in the Super Bowl. And of course, being here in Louisville, everybody, because it was the Icky Shuffle, it was the Bengals, and I was the lone 49ers fan. And so after the 49ers won Super Bowl 23, Jerry Rice had 11 catches for 215 yards and a touchdown and was named game MVP, by the way. Uh, that next Monday, my dad had 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 bought me this 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 fancy San Francisco 49ers hat. And I wore it to school the next day, and I was I was I was in. So, so people look at I've had people question me. They look at my Twitter page, like, "Oh, you're a 49ers fan. You're a Lakers fan." Yeah, I freely admit it's because they were good in the '80s. You know, and being in Louisville, there's no professional teams. I I, I wasn't feeling the Bengals. I wasn't feeling the Reds. I wasn't feeling the St. Louis Cardinals or the Indianapolis Colts. So yeah, okay, but by the same token, as a 49ers fan, and we can go back to the archives, I have talked myself into Blaine Gabbert. I talked myself into Tim Rattay. I have I have been right, you know, when it was just uh, Frank Gore and nobody else, I was, I was right for him then. When the Lakers were starting Tariq Black and Robert Sacker, and, and <laughs> I was talking myself into into the Lakers over the last 10 years. So, uh, yeah, I like those teams because they were good, yeah. but I'm, I'm riding down. My buddy Ryan, uh, uh, five years older than us. I mean, he was born in 72. And his favorite teams, Celtics, Phillies, and Steelers, and all those teams won titles like in, in 79, 80. He's seven, eight years old. You know, it's when you start kind of watching and having a clue what's going on. It makes sense. So it makes sense that, you know, you did the same thing, except when you came along, it was Niners and, and Lakers. Yeah. That's... It, and, and the thing is, Magic Johnson for my Lakers fandom always looked like he was having fun. And that just... You know, he was passing. It was showtime. It was flashy. It was, I, you know, I got caught up in the showtime. I did. I did. Ma- Magic just looked like he was having a ball. And I got to go to a game with my dad. We watched uh, Magic play. And I just, he was just larger than life, man. Just larger than life. And so to balance that out, because I get to high school, you know, the Niners are still pretty good. You know, they won Super Bowl uh, 29. The Lakers still, you know, uh, Magic had retired, but they had Nick Van Exel, those Eddie Jones teams, and the Lakers still pretty good. Uh, that's why I got on the Montreal Expos bandwagon. 
I'm like, I need a team that's not very good, that's kind of overlooked. I'm like, ain't nobody an Xbox fan. Like, like in the wild, I'll never come across another Xbox fan. I just, it's just, it's just has never happened. So I balance it out with that. And <laughs> so that's right. Little, oh, I was going to transition uh, to the to the other phase of your Lakers. You, you mentioned your Magic and all, but I I texted you yesterday because your guy Jeff Perlman just coming out with a new book. I heard him on Jim Rohn talking about it, but it was it's called Three Ring Circus: Kobe, Shaq, Phil, and the Crazy Years of the Lakers Dynasty. So I I heard that I, I had to text you and. and let you know because I know it's going to be right up your alley yeah. it, it, it's on my radar and he wrote a, a great book Showtime on those Showtime Lakers and that book was fantastic it was an easy read lots of insight on that first Lakers run and it's one of those things where my takeaways were Magic Johnson even though, yes, as a rookie, you know, he's finals MVP, blah, 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 blah. But but there were a lot of people doubting if he was that dude. You know, he was tragic, Johnson, after losing in 84. Uh, in 84 finals. And, and, and so this, this hot take kind of thing isn't a new phenomenon. You know, the 24-hour news and the cable and the internet and all that, that's new. But, you know, people were trying to find these guys you know early on in their career you and I have talked about it we're old enough to remember when Michael Jordan was never going to be able to win because we had never seen a team with a shooting guard score like that and win a championship and the conventional wisdom was you, you couldn't do that and here the Bulls trot out Bill Whittington and Luke Longley and those guys, and they win six out of eight. So, uh, but going back to Perlman's book Showtime, it was it was great. There, that takeaway was Magic, you know, was kind of under the gun. The uh, second takeaway was Magic's smile, and for some reason we kind of when we talk about Killer Instinct, we don't think of Magic Johnson having a Killer Instinct, but. The first training camp the Lakers had with Magic Johnson, Jerry Buss, the great, late, great Jerry Buss, their training camp was always in Hawaii because he wanted a vacation. So uh, the first practice, they're kind of going kind of half speed, and Magic starts singing these no-look passes at people, catching dudes on the side of the head, Jamal Wilkes, hit Kareem in the chest, and he basically, Magic said, hey, you're open when I say you open. Y'all going to be ready for the ball. Like the dude wanted to win. You know, so don't let the smile of the Hollywood fool you. Like he, he wanted, he, he would beat your brains in to win. There was that aspect of it. One thing I'm looking forward to this next book is we know about Shaq and Kobe not getting along. You know, that's been well documented. I've read Phil Jackson's book about it. I've, you know, I've consumed a lot of Lakers <laughs> reading material. But early on, Kareem and Magic did not get along. Because keep in mind, Magic was a young hotshot, and Kareem was still that dude. 
like Kareem, uh, I always uh, put out the universe. His resume is unmatched when it comes to basketball. Whether or not you say he's the GOAT or not, uh, his resume from high school to the NBA is unmatched. You know, there was like for 15 straight years, he was either the first or second best player at every level he was played at. So, okay. So, Jerry West, who was an executive, he had tried coaching the Lakers for a little bit. He's like, I don't want to coach. As an executive, basically pulls Magic and Kareem into his office. Be like, okay, y'all got to figure this out. You know, Kareem, this dude's going to make it easy for you. Magic, you gotta you gotta give Kareem the ball. And and that's what he said, and five championships and nine finals appearances proved to be pretty good. So I am eager to see if that was their same dynamic that uh, Jerry West had for Shaq and Kobe. Because in 04 when things went south for Shaq and Kobe, Jerry West had left. And Cupjack had stepped in. So with 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 Jerry West leaving and not having him in the building, I think might have played uh, into that as well. So I'm I'm interested to get that little nugget uh, as well. Speaking of you and your lovely fiance, after the tweet seen around the world, uh, you know, ending with the engagement picture. Her telling you how stupid it was to meet guys on Twitter that led to the engagement picture. How many followers have you added? And have, I mean, I know it's kind of died down, but what's the what's the aftermath of the celebrity and and all of the whirlwind that was right after you proposed? Oh, you know, I periodically, I still, I, I had to mute the tweet. Because uh, you know, it five hundred and sixty-six thousand. I'm sorry. Let me double check where we are right now. It was five sixty-six the other day. Let me see. Yeah, five. Okay, still at five sixty-six with fifty-eight thousand retweets and a lot of responses. I had to mute it. Um, you know, it's been the tweet has been picked up by all kinds of. Uh, little factoids. I didn't realize that you could actually search your Twitter handle and see kind of where it comes up in different news articles. Uh, uh, it, that, that, that's been pretty cool. I, I have to say it's kind of died down a little bit. You know, I will go back periodically every other day or so, every couple of three days and just look at the responses. Uh, number one, a lot of people have very similar meet cutes as they call it whether it's twitter or like online whatever groups people sharing their stories of where they met their person which has been great uh there have been people that have been as the kids say shooting their shot like hey so and so this could be us and, you know i you've prompted some other people to take I, action <laughs> Well, and there was one, I was going to send it out, but I was like, no, this is kind of mean. So uh, the fella said, hey, 
at whatever, whatever. This could be us. Oh. She said, oh, I don't think so. And he responded with a very sweet, powerful tweet. And she said, oh. I've got a boyfriend. After some back and, back and forth. So that one was not great. But there's been a few others that have gone. That's been what's been fascinating to me is just the people having conversations, you know, under the tweet. Uh, that have been that have been great. Um, I've, I figured out that that Colin Hanks, Tom Hanks' son, retweeted it. Like it's just been, uh, you know, it's just been ongoing. Um, it, it, it's great. It's great. You know, people keep asking, you know, have we set a date or anything like that? And I'll, I, I say no because it's the Rona times. Like I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Every time I see an article where these super spreader events, you know, 60 people at a wedding, 50 people get the Rona, and like two or three people die, like, I don't want that to happen, right? I've got people that I want to be at the wedding that traveling during a pandemic is not great for them. You know, and, our, and she's the same way, so... Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. It's still been great to kind of... Uh, you know, to, 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 like I said, I periodically go back on there and uh, I check it out. You know, a lot of uh, people that I know, if and I t- I've been telling people, if you responded to that tweet, I probably didn't see it. Like, I, pr- I probably, I, I tried my best to kind of go through, but if you responded to that tweet with a congratulations, I didn't see it. It, it just got it, it got you know it got snowballed because uh, you know you know how you look at a tweet and then like activity happens and you kind of lose your place so that Sunday afternoon maybe when Jake Tapper of CNN he retweeted it and then it just it, it blew up from there and then once the Twitter, actual Twitter account retweeted it, you know, I just, I couldn't find it. It just, you know, it, it, it became, uh, I, guess I couldn't find anything. See, you know, like so I was. It's already blowing up. But then when it's somebody noteworthy like a Tapper or Twitter, you'll still see that and just, wow. Oh, my. Oh, whoa. You'll see that notification and then it well, just snowballs and then you don't, you know. Well, so I tried to use the uh, Twitter search function because I just wanted to see how did it blow up in the first place, right? Like I was trying to see, okay, who was the first person, you know, the first Twitter check mark that saw it? You know, I was trying to decide, I was trying to go back through and say, okay, because that Saturday after I sent it out and it got like four or five hundred retweets, okay or retweets and likes. Okay, I've had some tweets that have had that kind of activity. And then we watched a movie and it's at 10,000 likes. I'm like, okay, that's weird. And as I'm sitting here watching, it gets to 2025. Uh, you know, go to bed, wake up the next day. It's at over 100. I didn't actually see when Jake Tapper retweeted it somebody you know because like 
if I retweet you and the person responds, they respond to the both of us. So I saw somebody respond and it said Jake Tapper. And I was like, oh. So I clicked I clicked yeah. on Jake Tapper and oh my he followed me. Like <laughs> and he still does. And I'm like, okay. So okay. So at a hundred 110,000 likes and all that kind of stuff. I set the phone on down. I turn off my notifications. We get breakfast and it's at 200. And I'm like, what is going on? And then somebody sends me a tweet. Hey, Twitter just retweeted you. I'm like, about the Twitter retweet. Crazy. <laughs> and, I said, and I said, what What does that mean? They're like, the actual Twitter account. So I go to at Twitter and at Twitter, that account's only following one account, and it's Oscar the Grouch from Sesame Street. But it's got 58 million, uh, 58 million retweets, or 58 million followers on the actual Twitter. So that is how it got from like 150 to like three. And then uh, uh, Josh Radner, the actor who, from How I Met Your Mother, retweeted it. Uh, Megan McCain, daughter of John McCain, on the View, she retweeted with a congratulations. So it just kind of, it just kind of spiraled from there. Uh, a lot of Instagram accounts picked up on it too. I had to go, I had to kind of go private, lock down my Instagram account uh, because that became a thing. Uh, like, oh, you know. You know, I forget what the one is called, like Good Vibes or something like that. Oh, look at this Twitter love story with screenshots and everything like that. So it's kind of all over the place. You know, people have seen it uh, uh, on Facebook, different uh, different things like that. So, uh, yeah, it's it's still been incredible. Uh, You know, got a lot of followers Mm -hmm. from all over the place. Uh, like I said, picked up Jake Tapper, who has liked some of my other tweets, by Check the way. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, so I, you know, so I'm just looking because I was like, okay, I was thinking, did Kitty Anderson retweet it? Did George Wallace kind of send stuff down? You know, because I've got some other, you know, not to toot yeah. my own horn, some other followers, but it just kind of, it just kind of blew up, man. Um, you know, five hundred sixty-six thousand plus likes uh and, and 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 still most of the comments are positive most of the comments you know i'm a little bit surprised because i was like oh god you know once once you kind of go that kind of viral there's always that blowback right there's always that kind of negative ain't happy unless they complain right right but i'll be honest with you and again, this is what I've seen. There may have been some that slipped through the cracks, but most of what I've seen, there's I can only think of maybe like three or four that were kind of mean and hateful. And uh, no. that ain't bad. That that that's not bad. Uh, looking at impressions, you know, you can do tweet activity. Thirty-four million people saw this tweet on Twitter. I mean, that's, yeah. Uh, the the best part is me trying to explain all this to, to Mama B. That was probably, that was probably has been 
you know, the highlight to all this, you know, what does this mean? How do you have that many people? Do you know that many people? And trying to get to get to the meat potatoes of that. But it's still great. We're still doing great. Um, actually, uh, what kind of helped is uh, because uh, Kate is kind of, she's big on Chicago Cubs Twitter. Like the actual at Cubs follows her. Uh, yeah, they retweeted it with a with a congrats, and I think that helped. But that was already when it was at, you know, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. So, uh, so that's been that's been that's been pretty cool. Uh, you know, the KSR folks have been nice and reached out. Uh, so it's been it's been great. Uh, it it really has. Uh, you know, ready for it to kind of die down a little bit. I just want to tell people, not all my tweets are this great. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up, Jake. Don't get your hopes up. You know, up, I did every single you know. <laughs> and uh, so I did. I did an interview with Upworthy, uh, where you know, guys sent me some questions and I asked, and his thing was. Um, you know, what advice do you have for other guys? I think there's a misconception that this was the that this was the first time we'd ever talked on Twitter. That's not the case. We had been following each other for a while before this. And we and we had other interactions before this particular interaction. Like this wasn't just out of the blue. So I need to be very clear about that. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, this wasn't just, oh, hey, how's it going? And then I sent a DM. I, that, that, that's not what happened. I, I don't have it quite like that. And, and, and my thing is, it's pretty much the same rules apply. Whether you meet someone, you meet that person, if it's at work, at school, uh, at a bar, wherever. Uh, be respectful and be nice. I mean, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's there's no there's no trick to it. It's just uh, you know it worked out because uh, Kate was waiting for me to make that move. So it she really worked out. You know? She was interested before you shot your shot. When y'all started following each other, okay? Yes, we started following each other, having some interactions, and honestly, if you were to look at our interactions before this there was nothing i don't think that you'd say oh yeah, they were even flirting like it just was you know how you tweet people back and forth but but there was just something that said hey there's something here like i don't know what to tell you but people in long-term relationships you probably knew about your kate your katie okay there's there's something going on more than just hey how's it going and uh, we talked about it. She was looking for a way to engage me in some deeper conversation, but she was like, "All you do was tweet about Kentucky basketball." Like she's like, "How?" <laughs> she's like, "I'm looking for an in, and you're not giving me anything to work with." <laughs> so, so. Again, I tell people it, it worked. Number one, I was respectful. This was not the first time. And number two, uh, I just had a feeling, and I can't really explain it. Uh, but it worked out. 
it, it honestly it, it, it worked out and and we're very happy uh, her family's happy mama b and the girls are ecstatic uh, little oh, i said little miss <laughs> medium miss is excited to to be in a wedding she is and let me just say something about my youngest like she just gets it you you've you've met her she is a she is very into i'll say and with my divorce and all that kind of stuff she has kind of been the most level-headed among everybody and she said to me some time ago she said dad I just want you happy. Like we should all, we all deserve to be happy. And, and that was just a, wow. Like she just gets, you know, I'm not saying that big miss is, is clueless, but little miss just, you know, uh, she just, she gave me what I need to hear and, and, and all that. So we're, we're doing really, really well. It is really good. So we had to give a little, little update for sure. Uh, and of course, we're definitely getting to your Lakers, but we gotta we gotta hit on two NFL things, man. Tyrod Taylor, man, getting getting sabotaged by the team doctor. How how is your team doctor gonna puncture your lung and infect your rib right before the game starts? How does that? Happen? Uh, I mean, so and this this brings up a lot of things. I saw where, you know, if it's a medical professional with the team setting, like he's got no recourse. Like there's no malpractice or anything like that. Uh, you know, I, I, I would say the doctor didn't do it intentionally. However, this seems like a pretty big mistake. To collapse somebody's lungs seems like a pretty big yeah. error. And, and, and that would be a, a concern for anybody. Like, you know, keep in mind, the NFL and by extension college football told us for decades that grown men running full speed headfirst into each other was okay. You know, and we've all seen the stories, you know, shooting guys up, leading to others. I I just wish there was a way that that guys could get outside information, outside medical information. You know, you've got you find your own personal doctor and let that guy be the guy to give you a shot or something like that. That would be my thing. Yeah. I mean, it was just just a weird situation, you know. Nothing that I had ever heard of before. And you know, you you cost a man a game. He's about to play and, and <laughs> you know, you you know there's a chance of getting injured when you step in between those lines that's the risk you're willing to take but getting prepped by the doctor and, and that knocks you out of stepping onto the field that ooh, that's, that's a whole different situation yeah that's 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 uh, uh i mean it, it's 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 a bad look if nothing else and sadly a legend gail Sayers who was already inducted into the Hall of Fame when we were born. He was he went in at age 34, uh, and he was 77 when he passed. So basically, when we were born, he was already retired due to being injured. And 
had his gold jacket and was already in Canton. But we still know all about him and seen all of his highlights. You know, casual fans knew him from Brian's song, Brian Piccolo, and how close they were before Piccolo passed away and it was portrayed in the movie. But just the clips, you know, you know, people talked about Reggie Bush being compared to him, but just doing what he did, I've mentioned it on this show before, the YouTube clip, just, just type Gil Sayers, highlights Gil Sayers in the YouTube, and that one pass, he's running to his left, it is a designed halfback pass. He's left-handed, he goes to cock it back to throw it, there's nothing there, tucks it, and just Ferraris his way through the entire defense and runs for a touchdown after it was a designed halfback pass. I mean, it's just just the jaw-dropping stuff that he was doing. Played his college ball at Kansas. Went and played for the Bears. Uh, they weren't that good. But, you know, the six-touchdown game, I'm sorry, against your 49ers, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but just amazing uh, what he was able to do over his career before, you know, he hurt that knee and was, was injured at the end. Yeah, just a just a special talent, uh, you know. Just one of those guys. If you look at his career numbers, uh, probably, you know, I don't have a, you know that in front of me. But his career numbers not great. But it, you know, and that's my whole thing is when you get to the Hall of Fame, sometimes numbers don't tell the whole story. You know, for me. It, it still strikes me as weird that Bo Jackson is not in any Hall of Fame. And, and you know, again, his career numbers not being what they were, but Bo was, for like four or five years, Bo was that too. You know, there was an all-pro NFL player as a hobby. Like, that's ridiculous. So, But back to Gail Sayers, just a phenomenal person, just a sad loss, you know, 2020 being as brutal uh, as it is, is just, just, you know, wow. 68 games, 991 rushing attempts for 4,956 yards, retired at the age of 28 in 1971. He started, and this is back in 14 game seasons, 65 he's a rookie. He played in 12 of the 14 games as a rookie, 13 out of 14 in year two, 13 out of 13 in year three, nine out of nine in game in year four, 14 out of 14 in year five, and then two games in 1970, two games in 1971. So one, two, five years where he played in double digit games in one year where he played nine games and in four games in his last two years. 4,956 yards, 39 touchdowns, uh, 112 catches for 1,300 yards and nine more touchdowns. But, like you said, just a, just a special talent. Uh, the youngest player ever to go into the Hall of Fame at age 34. And uh, sad to hear that he passed away this morning. Absolutely. You know, this is, like I said, it's been a very tough year 
uh, all around for everybody from the Rona and just and don't forget the West Coast is still on fire. Like the West, you know, the West Coast yeah. is still burning. <laughs> you know, and we've had the hurricanes. This has just been one year. So, you know, and that's the feedback we got on the tweet as well. Is it's been such a bad yeah. year. It's good to see some good. You know, it, it, you know, that's 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 the you know a lot of feedback. Like, hey, you know, this is a good story that mm-hmm. kind of hit at the right time. Texting. And that's exactly, exactly. Somebody wants to see some some good thoughts, some good vibes, and y'all provided that to 34 million people who saw the tweet. But I I text my cousin the other day because uh, he's been out in California, born and raised out there, lived out there for years, and he's just he's just staying in the house for work. They had evacuated about 10 blocks from where he was, you know, but the the air quality was getting a little bit better, Uh, but just kind of, you know, it's bad, but it's slowly getting better, Uh, and and that's just a flare-up. The imminent threat was gone where he was at, but yeah, you know, you just can't even go outside and get a breath of fresh air don't even think about that nobody thinks of that you know unless you're faced with a situation where you can't even not even safe to go outside and and breathe in the contaminated air out there the smoke-filled air so yeah it's in addition to what everybody else has got going on with the pandemic and trying to not catch the virus and be safe in that area now you gotta worry about breathing clean air and staying in the house to do so Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, there's just so much you, you kind of have to pace yourself and not get overwhelmed. And, uh, you, my concern, if I get on the soapbox for a moment, is, you know, folks with mental health issues like, yeah. like myself, you know, my clinical depression, I've been yeah. very open about it. But the, but the problem is when the world is literally on fire, and your mind kind of goes to worst case scenario stuff anyway 2020 has been rough however we've been able to go outside and we've had sunlight we're getting ready to go to the worst part of the year where the nights are going to be long it's going to be dark at five o'clock a lot of folks are still isolated and I I will bang this drum all day. We have got to take care of each other. We have got to check in on each other. You know, uh, thankfully, during all this, I have been able, I've moved back in with Mama B. You know, I still got my condo and everything like that. But as soon as we heard the word lockdown, I said, look, you know, she will be here by herself. I'll be at my place by myself. How much sense does that make? Right? And I'm thankful for that. You know, the, the two of us uh, together has been has been great. You know, we've been able to, you know, we've talked about my dad. And it's, it's been, a, you know, not to go into be long-winded, but it's been really great. It's really been great because I'm staying here. I'm hungry and I'm smelling this roast that she's had in this, uh, 
this 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 crock pot all day. I'm gonna get so that's been great. And that's part of the reason I've been running. It's because if I don't run, I'ma be uh, you know <laughs> I'll be on the offensive line somewhere. So with all this, I, I've lost twenty pounds during the, the Rona times. Uh I've run today was run number uh run number 98 i have covered 356 miles and today was my longest run ever i did eight miles today and uh yeah so i've been able to kind of find something to occupy my time i've still been able to see Big Miss and Medium Miss. I took my mom over to see Medium Miss on Monday. We were socially distanced. It was the first time that they had been in the same place since February. You know, we 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 FaceTime, but they were able to, you know, to kind of be in the same space, and that was great for the both of them. Uh, but but basically, what I'm saying is, we have got to take care of each other. So if you've got a friend, if you've got a neighbor you know is is by themselves, has been by themselves, you got to check on that person, right? Uh, I know Zoom gets a bad rap, but you know I've I've got together with some of my buddies over Zoom. You know that's how we watch the NFL draft. You know that's how we watch some of these other you know games. Is we just get on the Zoom. We watch it, it, and it's not perfect, but you're still making those connections as best as you can. So, reach out to to, to folks because hey, when when the when it starts getting dark and these long winter nights and you can't go outside uh, like we are now, it's going to be brutal for a lot of people. And just to backtrack real quick on this same topic, because you know, Mitha mentioned it a couple weeks ago, and not because I'm a Cowboys fan or anything like that. But Dak spoke about mental health and what he was dealing with quarantine and, and didn't want to work out. And we saw Skip Bayless jump in and, and throw shade and, and make his remark. But yep. I was going to bring that up because you've been so open with it uh, and just hadn't we hadn't even get, just hadn't gotten to talk about it. So yeah. It, well, and let me just say this: I, I know. You know, I'm gonna I'm be kind of quiet with this uh, at Mama B's. Skip Bayless is an asshole. I'm just gonna put that out there. To not only what he said about Dak, but to say it on Worldwide Suicide Awareness Day, and it takes people like Dak talking about it, talking about depression. There's still a stigma, as we see associated with it people have to stop thinking just because you are rich successful good looking that you don't think depression can affect you anxiety can't affect you they absolutely can right people think depression is just being sad depression is being is, is being numb right uh, and Dak having lost his his brother are you kidding me let let you know let me get in my time machine look man i lost my middle brother kenneth 
in March of 1999. In September of 2000, we lost my oldest brother, Jimmy. That's 18 months. And, 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 and our family was in a collective funk. It's okay to be sad when you lose a loved one. There's nothing manly about just 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 moving on forward. That's not manly. Reach out for help. But conversely, and, and Stephen A. Smith talked about it when he lost his mother. I'm glad he shared that, but what I don't want to have happen is people think, okay, yeah, you can be sad when you lose a loved one, but other than that, look. And again, I've been very open. The day I decided to take my own life. I was gainfully employed, happily married, had two wonderful kids, had friends. I was, we were doing this show. Things were going great, but you get inside your own head and it's just tough. I'm very thankful. Like I was saying earlier, you've got to have a support system, right? You've got to, you know, I know if I start feeling bad, hey, I can reach out to Mama B. Well, hey, I got Kate. Hey, I can shoot Vinny a text. I've, 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 you know, I've sent you some texts. Hey, you know, got a lot of stuff going on. You, you, the, the key is you, you expand your support system. That's the thing. And we don't need people like Skip Bayless. Well, I don't know if he could be a quarterback. What? I don't know if I want a quarterback for my Dallas Cowboys admitting this. Admitting that he's human? As we progress as a society, we need to do better. We're, we're beyond the days of just walking off. You know, just like we we no longer say, oh, he got his bell rung. Now it's like, oh my God, that was a concussion. Like things, like you <laughs> you owe to do better as, as, we, as, we, as we move along. And then, you know, Jason Whitlock says, Skip, hold my beer. And he has to get in and, and do what he's been doing. Uh, Alex Flanagan had a nice piece uh, that everybody saw today as well. So, okay. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's a catch-22 uh, for women in sports. If, if they, they, number one, they have to be what we call conventionally attractive, right? Like they've, they've if, if, if they're average, we don't want to see them on TV. That's number one. But then the double-edged sword of it is, well, then we say, well, that's all you bring to the table. Or who did, or who all did you're you about to get where you are? Or, <laughs> or who, did, who yeah. did you do other yeah. things for, right? Let's, let's, let, let, let's, mm-hmm. let's put it out there too. But, when the opposite is true. These women have had to work a lot harder and prove themselves every single day. You know, for for example, we just assume for whatever reason that Skip Bayless knows what he's talking about. Like we don't have to, we don't need to dissect everything he's ever done. But Maria Taylor admits her mistake of leaving off Anthony Davis. She says, hey, 
I made a mistake. After the dude, after the and, dude and, from Chicago was making fun of her outfit, it cost him his job. Right, but you know what? Mama, me and Papa used to tell me, staying quiet is free and easy. (laughs) (laughs) So she admits it, and it becomes a thing. And I saw, I don't know who, you know how you see things on Twitter. Look, man, eight people watched Hank Aaron play baseball and decided he was not a Hall of Famer. Right? Like, when you have when you have this big vote with these with all kinds of people you're going to get either people accidentally or intentionally being stupid with their vote you and I talked about Major League Baseball Hall of Fame vote forever you know it, it's, it's ridiculous that no one was unanimous until Mariano Rivera so again, somebody saw Willie Mays play and said, nah. Somebody saw Mickey Mantle play and said, nope. Somebody saw Reggie Jackson play and said, nope. Somebody watched, uh, well, Cal Ripken Jr. Nope. <laughs> Nolan Ryan, nope. Come on. You know, even most recently, there was, what, three or four people that saw Ken Griffey Jr.'s career in its entirety and said, nope. So let's let's just calm down on that. So man, you, we we gotta get to you, Lakers. Uh, up two to one, lost last night. Uh, now, are you looking at it? I'm looking at my Cowboys. Could be zero and two. Thankfully, we're not. Going to Seattle is gonna be rough. Are you looking at it as a hey, still up two to one? came close to overtaking them last night and, and going up 3-0 or are you looking at it as ooh, if, if AD misses the other night, we're down 2-1. How how are you looking at these first three games of the West Conference Finals? The, the Lakers have to win two games to get to the finals. And we can, we can if and what and all this kind of stuff but if Anthony Davis misses, well, you know, if uh, Jamal Murray misses against Utah. I mean, you know, so you can go down that if and but rabbit hole all the live long day. But you have to just look at, okay, two wins versus one. All right. The Lakers, for whatever reason, LeBron led teams are due a clunker of a game. Okay. Last night, Anthony Davis had two rebounds that he did not get until the fourth quarter. Okay. That 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 was and the Lakers got out rebounded by like 18. So the Lakers shore that up. They'll be fine. And they they'll still be made it closer than well, closer than I wanted it to be. Cuz I mean, you know, you know where I'm I'm just rooting with all my power to Denver. And, you know, they should have been blown right. been blown clean out all night. And still, here they come. And I'm like, come on, clock. I'm like, tick, 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 tick. You know. And... But we always, but we see this happen a lot in series where a team may lose a game, but they have a great fourth quarter that carries over. 
the Warriors did that, I think, uh, when they were down 3-1 against, uh, uh, against the Thunder that year. You know, it was a blowout in one of the games, and the, the Thunder let Steph and Clay get some looks. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and that was, you, you know, uh, and we could talk about, well, what if Anthony Davis doesn't hit that shot? What if Jamal Murray doesn't hit the turnaround three from 30 feet away? I mean, come on. We can, again, we can what if and what if and what if and what if. Uh, I, I still feel pretty confident because, again, LeBron was not great last night. Anthony Davis was not great last night. And I can say with full conviction, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, the Lakers organization are not going to go out like the Clippers. I can say that. Not not going to happen. So I don't think it was a uh, uh, I don't think it was a collection of uh, that the Lakers are overlooking the Nuggets. It was just a bad game. That's why, you know, the NBA playoffs are the best because the best team usually wins most of the time. I would say all the time because one bad game doesn't sink you. NFL, one bad game, you go home. Major League Baseball, if your pitcher doesn't have it one day, you know that puts you that puts you in a hole, right? So uh, I'm not I'm not worried. I think the Lakers again. Uh, they showed me in the fourth quarter. They got some fight. They did a lot of things right. I just think they kind of ran out of gas for what they had to do to get back in the game. But uh, you know I'm I'm not worried. I I didn't think they would sweep the Nuggets. Because the Nuggets, hey, they're a tough team, right? I mean, I'm going to give Jamal Murray his props. Uh, Jamal Murray has become that dude. And I've seen all these NBA people talk about, hey, Jamal Murray's on that list. of When he starts going, you know, watch out. And I'm like, yeah, Kentucky fans, we know. Like, go back and look at Jamal Murray's year at Kentucky, and you'll be like, wow. I mean, one of the best scoring seasons in Kentucky basketball history. I'm not saying in Iona <laughs> history or Murray State history or whatever. Kentucky basketball history. And he was like 90-something percent from the free throw line. Like, ridiculously good. And, uh, you know, I, I always say Malik Monk was the dude that once he caught fire, it was different. But Murray, there was, if, you know, see, this is where I get frustrated when I talk, start talking about the ifs. Just one post player with a little bit of post presence. Yeah. Oh, you know. So I did like uh, this whole Eastern Conference, Western Conference finals. This whole bubble has really been an infomercial on Kentucky basketball. From Devin Booker being ridiculous in the bubble to to Bam's block to Hero's triple-double and playing, you know, big minutes in the fourth quarter of these games to uh, Jamal Murray, who has, like I said, he's become that dude. I mean, think about it. There's a very good chance that whenever we get another full regular NBA season, 
Jamal Murray has put his name out there. He could be an all-star. Devin Booker could be an all-star. Anthony Davis could be an all-star. Carl Towns could very well be an all-star. And that's just in the West. You know, Bam, Bam Adebayo is going to be an all-star. Right? <laughs> so, it's very, it's very conceivable. Oh, yeah, and then there's Shea Gildas-Alexander, who's right there as well. So, I mean, we have talked about it on the show since the inception that once the Kentucky guys kind of got their footing, and, and keep in mind, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, all the talent cows had coach. Well, they went to bad teams, right? You know, Anthony Davis was not going to be in the Eastern or the conference finals in New Orleans. <laughs> Carl Towns might have to get out of Minnesota. You know, so the top guys go to these crappy teams. But now we're seeing the fruition of these guys, you know, uh, 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 coming into their own. And Bam made an all-star team. And Bam was an all-star fun. this past year before the Rona. Yeah. Really? And, yeah. And, you know, he's got that block that's going to be on replay forever and ever and ever. That my man Magic Johnson is the best defensive play I mean, he'd ever seen. I mean, that's. Uh, and I don't know. And people want to debate that. And I, for my money, I've always been a fan of LeBron's that chase down block yeah. that, Iggy, that he had Iggy when was, you talk about the playoffs. Though, when he made that. I mean, it's still a great block, though. But Iggy, Iggy yeah. was on you one know, leg. Or, <laughs> But that was a great block because he had he had both hands on each side of the rim. He was gonna block it no matter which way Iguodala went up. It was blocked. So yeah, gotta give him gotta give him props. Uh, yeah, and and Tayshon's, uh block of Reggie Miller. Although you know Reggie Miller not known as a leaper, but it's still, it. if it's you catch it, if you catch if you catch that video where Reggie was and where Tayshon was with that closing speed. So with the BAM play, there's a look not from the strong side that we saw on uh, TV. There's another angle from the weak side where BAM is coming from. And look, man, Jason Tatum has got a lot of momentum. He's a big dude. He's jumping and he's got it cocked back. And, and Bam and his hand and wrist absorb all of it. That I, that you know that's a tremendous play. But it's all cats. Everything. Cal was laughing and joking with Charles Barkley and the guys last night before. Uh, you know he's always hyping up guys. He I think he name dropped every former player that made the playoffs. He said Bledsoe. He said Hami. Right. Diallo. He said, you know, Hami, Hami did some good things for Oklahoma yeah. City. And, and and Shea and Nerland's like, oh. look, love him or hate him, Cal promotes his dudes. And and that's and that's part of it. So it's been a big infomercial on uh on the cats. Uh a, a former cat is going to get a championship. I count Enos. Yeah. I know he didn't play. 
Pratt County. He's, he's a former cat. So I hope, and I love Enos, but I hope he's the one that doesn't get it. Because that means Boston would have won. And I don't want that to happen. I'm anti-Boston. I love all I love so, all these former cats. I love AD. I mean, like Rondo. I still remember being in Knoxville when when Rondo and Randolph Morris brought Kentucky back from being down twenty at Tennessee. But when they get to the Lakers, I look. I can't root for the Lakers. So I understand you not wanting Enos to win one with Boston. We can compartmentalize our fandom. Love what you did. Hate who you play for. I understand. Get it. It, it, you know, I would love to see Lakers, uh, a Lakers Heat final. Oh yeah, because that's that's that that yeah, and you got Pat Riley, and you got Hero, and you got Bam, and you got AD, and you got Rondo, and you got a former roommate of our main camp yeah. Mills, uh-huh. Frank Vogel. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, just a lot to keep out. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Lakers will win. It probably will go to six. Yeah. I think. I think what we're seeing now is the Western Conference Finals probably looks like how it would have played out had they been playing at their own arenas. The Lakers probably would have won the first two at Staples. You expect the Nuggets would have won uh, wherever they play. It's not McNichols now, <laughs> is it? Pepsi yeah, Center. Yeah. I, I, it's a Pepsi Center. Uh, you know, so you kind of figure that out. Uh, what I didn't realize until I caught a podcast the other day is by designation in the Heat, uh, no, not the Heat series, the Boston Toronto series, I think, the home team lost every game by designation. Uh-huh. And, NBA you know, double home court disadvantage. Yeah, yeah, not that it means anything, but, you know, uh, I mean, you, nobody's going to count that by official record books, not like last year in the World right. Series. So uh, I think, though, that honestly, being the number one seed, being the Bucks, being the Lakers, you, this, you know, this was a bad year to be a number one seed because home, home court advantage didn't mean anything. That's that's the whole like it didn't it didn't mean what it used to mean. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Who wins tonight, Heat or Celtics? <laughs> oh man, the Celtics look a lot better with Gordon Hayward, yeah. don't they? Like uh, Hayward, I you know I, I think he's always a, a, a very good player, but I think the difference is with uh, with Boston you've got four guys that you have to pay attention to in the half court. Uh, you know, you got Smart, you got Kimball Walker, Jalen Brown, uh, Tatum, Hayward. Tatum, Tatum, yeah. and now Hayward. And, you know, if they've got Thice, Thies, and, and, you know, and Enos on that back line, that makes the Celtics really, really tough to guard. The the one thing, and I know everybody loves the Heat, is, and they played really, really well, but the question is, can you win 
a championship with Jimmy Butler being your main guy. That's that's the that's the thing. And the Heat have a lot of pieces, Dragic and uh, the other Marquette guy. Can't, oh, I need, I should have should have Googled all this. Uh, you know they've got some ballers, Hero and everything. But when crunch time comes. You have to have somebody that can go get you a bucket. And for the key, that's Jimmy Butler, but can he be that guy? That's that's always the thing. When you look at every champion, probably except for, you know, the 04 Pistons, they, every champion has had that dude that can go get you a bucket. Like, we try to be dismissive of the 2011 Mavericks, but Dirk was that dude. You put Dirk in the high post, especially before they really loosened the the zone defense rules. Dirk was, Dirk was a problem. So that's that's been the thing as as well. Uh, even even Boston to some extent, their best player is five eight five nine, however tall Kemba Walker is. And saying this as a Kentucky fan, I know this sounds. Like, well, you should know more than anybody. I don't think you can win if you're if you're if your go-to guy is six foot tall. And people say, well, look at Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson shot 40 shots a game. Like he was good. Don't get me wrong. He can get you 30 points, but he's gonna take a lot of shots to do it, right? So uh I don't see Boston letting Kimba Walker do that. Uh so I think that's their that's their ceiling. Uh, again, I still feel confident the Lakers will win uh, because from here on out, they've got the top two players on the court. So that's that's my two cents. But tonight, I'll go with Miami. They'll they'll fight back to make it a series. Well, they're up two one, right? Yeah. Yes. So they can they can really. Strangling if they win tonight, but I, I kind of think they will. I mean, they just they just kind of they're, they're so physical and and they just kind of smothered Boston those first two games. I know Boston won the last one. I just got a feeling that, that Miami goes up three to one. Just, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna look. I'm looking forward to, to to watch that. And I'm not saying Jimmy Butler. Now, here's the thing about. Jimmy Butler is I know we're running a little bit late but he's got an alpha dog mm-hmm. attitude like he's got an A plus attitude but B plus game yeah which 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 mm-hmm. works because I think that right now the Heat have a lot of B plus players playing mm-hmm. A game and I, and I think just in the abstract the makeup of that team Again, it's very reminiscent of the 04 Pistons. Like, you know, I, I think had you, had we done the side by side comparison, 04 Lakers, 04 uh, Pistons, like how far down the list do you go before you pick a Piston? Okay, Shaq Kobe. You know, you know, Gary Payton wasn't bad. Carl Malone before he got hurt. So that's, you know, that's always the thing is, okay, you know, the head-to-head matchup, 
how far down the line does it have to be before you know you would pick someone off another team? That's always a good metric for me when you're looking at these matchups. Um, on a little quick Harlan County nugget, um, they they named a park after it was right there in Lynch where I grew up, West Main Street. 